Hey, few, three things I want to tell you before I'm going to tell you about this watermelon. By the way, this is not to scale because, anyway, I'll tell you later. <laughs> do you attend a church on Sunday morning? And don't, you don't have to raise your hand. Do not do that. But if you do, good. Keep going there unless you hate it. And if you hate it, you should probably try to make a difference there before you leave. Um, but if you do not have a home church that you are going to currently, maybe you're away from home, uh, on your announcement sheet on the back side, maybe you didn't catch it, but there are churches that are listed there. Traders Point Christian Church is one of them. We love that church. Uh, Chapel Rock that was here tonight, we love them too. Ben Davis, we love a lot of churches. Some of them are not feasible to attend on Sunday because they're too far. And so if you need a church to go to, Traders Point, uh, is, is pretty. they run three services and, and pack out that middle one and the last one, the early one's the one you can get a, a seat in. <laughs> Now, there's two churches on that list that are small and really would, would probably treat you like a rock star if you showed up. Trader's Point, you're going to see a lot of young people. Uh, same thing with the other ones. But uh, Fleming Garden and um, West Park Christian Church, if you are looking to just make a huge difference, you're going to make a huge difference wherever you go because we want you to serve, not just attend at a church. Uh, check those out as well. And so that's all I'm going to say. Uh, also, on October 23rd, we're not going to be in this room. We're going to be at West Park. They built that building in 1908. And so we're going to worship in their worship center that was built in 1908. Uh, the church used to run over 1,000 and is down is about 70 people now or so. But anyway, we're going to worship in that space. And they do have a, the original baptistry. And we have never done this uh, with impact. But if you've ever considered baptism before, I want to encourage you to think and pray about that. Acts 18.9 says, they were believing and being baptized. So I think if it says it in the Bible, we should observe it. Amen? Amen. And so if you were thinking about that, pray about that. You've got, you got two months to pray about it. If you want to get baptized before then, we will find a place. Fairfield Christian Church says we can do one anytime. All right. And uh, the last thing is I want to read Revelation 5.9 before we start. The message. This is really important to me. You were... Uh, talking about Jesus, the lamb, you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, those from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Um, you know, with all the crazy stuff that is happening in our world today, I just want to say up front that we love every single human being on earth. That's why we're doing mission trips, right? And I think multi, all, all kinds of races shows us that God is a creative God, first of all. And he is a beautiful God, and it's reflected in the color of our skin. And that, that is just all I'm going to say about that, right? And in heaven, uh, not everybody's going to look like you, so I hope you, you better get used to it. All right, so this semester we're going to be studying the life of a man named David in the Old Testament. We didn't mention that, or maybe we did mention that earlier, but kata. So you're like, what in the world is going on with that four-letter word? That is a weird word, and what does it even do? Is that like a move of some kind? Uh, I'm supposed to punch someone and yell that? I don't know. Um, but it's the Greek word. It's actually in the New Testament, and it's used in Acts chapter 13 to describe David. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But he was a man. It's the Greek word for after. It's the Greek word for after. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit more. But the word literally means an extension toward a goal. And when I was studying this a few years ago, I just could not get that off of my mind that that here's this guy named David, and he is, a, the Bible says he is an extension toward the goal of God's purposes. And this is the guy that's used to. And if you know anything about the King, King David, he is not like someone that at the end of my life would be like, oh, I would love to do everything that he did. 
And so it's very interesting to, to, to look at his, his life. And so the ultimate answer to the King David's life is this watermelon. So a few weeks ago, my wife, uh, she sent me a, a text, and, uh, and it was this watermelon that had, like, looked like it had been sawed in two. And, you know, we have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. Uh, our daughter's name's Tinley. She's five, and Graham is our two-year-old. And so when they're screaming in the car, you try to get the groceries in as fast as possible, especially if you're doing it during the day when I'm not there to help. And so she's rushing in. She's got the milk. She's got eggs aren't broken. And she's got this giant watermelon that, you know, Alex, my intern, this is what he got me. I think it was on sale. Oh, okay. Hey. Respect. Okay. And so she's carrying this watermelon. And whoops, it slips right out of her hand, uh, and, it, and it, it lands on the garage floor. And you can imagine what, what would have happened uh, to a watermelon that dropped on the, the cement floor of the garage. Um, in a hurry, heavy garage floor equals ruined. Or was it not ruined? She sent me this text. It didn't split until I got it inside, so all saved. She saved every single bit of that watermelon off of, no, it like split in such a way it just split right open and she just cut it all out and it worked just fine. And I, I just love that. And I think that's exactly what happened with David's life. I think here's this guy. He's going along. He makes so many mistakes uh, throughout his life. He does not do everything right. Uh, not everything in the Bible is approved by the Bible. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but that is true with his life. And so... Um, for many of you, when I said, um, if I said this phrase, how can I become an extension of God's heart? How can I? How can you become an extension of God's heart? Many of you would say, not me. You know, I'm more like the armpit of God. You know, I'm more like the dirty foot of God, you know. And I think many of us just have that idea of God as if God had a dirty armpit. Um, <laughs> So you might have went through a list of the things immediately when I said that that disqualified you from being an extension of God's heart, someone who is after, who is kata. You would say, I can't be that because of everything that I have done. And so this is great news for you tonight. To achieve kata, to be after God's heart, you don't have to be flawless, but you do have to be focused. To be someone after God's own heart, you do not have to be flawless, but you do have to be focused. And so David definitely was flawed. Just a few things. If you're in our life group ministry and you're, you're in a life group, uh, there's one that meets at 8 a.m. in this room tomorrow. Uh, so show up uh, if, you're, if you're in that life group. Hopefully we've contacted you by now. Um, Adriana and um, Megan Z. I call her Megan Z because there's other Megans. I like that too. It sounds good. They're leading that group, and they are awesome. And there's another group on Wednesday at 8 a.m. right here in this room. Oh, yours, it's got it switched. Yours Wednesday, and then Keegan and Taylor are tomorrow. So if you come, either way, you're going to get into a life group. Um, but throughout our life groups, we're going to see this, that David was definitely flawed. He was a murderer. He was adulterer. The thing that really bothers me about his life is he was a polygamist. And... We won't get into that. I don't, we'll get into it later, but we won't get it tonight. He was bitter. Uh, on his deathbed, he, he actually asked, uh, his, one of his dying wishes was for uh, Solomon to kill some dude that had cursed him. Um, 
Which that guy deserved it, but whatever. <laughs> he acted like he was insane. We're going to look at this later on in his life. That he, he actually, if the Hebrew uh, is a little more creative, he may have urinated all over a city gate because he was so afraid. I mean, the guy is just an interesting guy. He, uh, his family was a complete mess. Uh, one of his sons uh, tried to take over the kingdom. He actually did for a while until he hung himself accidentally. He, and, he, and he doubted. In his, the middle of his life, God had done, God allowed him to kill a nine foot nine guy, and he doubted, and he got scared throughout the whole process. And I think that is so good for us to really look at his life. And then he, he shed just buckets of blood. They, they made a song about him, and they put it on the radio. Saul has killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. And it was such a good song that it went into pagan territory, right? Even when he shows up in enemy territory, like, oh, we've heard your song. Uh, it's on serious, right? And so he had it all figured out. So this guy, uh, so you, to achieve Qatar, you don't have to be flawless, but you do have to be focused. And so what we're going to look at, we're going to look at Acts chapter 13. If you've got a Bible app, you've got the Version Bible app, this is something we've done in the past, and you can open that thing up right now. I'm going to do it with you right now. Version. if you don't have the app, sorry, you're going to have to download it later. At the bottom of the app, it says more. You can click on more. Click on events. I hope this works. Click on Impact Christian Fellowship at IUPUI. And then, voila. Okay. All right, so let's read uh, Acts chapter 13, verses 21 through 23. It says, Then the people begged for a king, and God gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, who reigned for 40 years, but God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man whom God said, about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. And it is one of, and it is one of King, King David's descendants, Jesus, who is God's promised Savior of Israel. It's kind of funny. We're going to be in the Old Testament most of the semester, but this is such a good snapshot of David's life um, and what he did. So we're going to break down this, that one verse, verse 22. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, he will do everything I want him to do. Now, that's an interesting thing for God to say. So the first thing he says, he says, I have found. Did you know that God has been looking for you? You're like, what? What do you mean, looking for me? But God has been looking for you. God has been looking for you. God has the ability not just to spot potential, but to see you <laughs> and to see what you really look like, Right? I'm not talking about when you get up in the morning. I'm just talking about like the, the very core of who you are. God has the ability to see all the way through that. This is a crazy verse. 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Um, one time I was at a church camp working, and I, one of my Mexican friends, Adrian, uh, he decided, he, he's like, hey, man, we should dye our hair, you know. And I'm like an employee of the Bible college. I'm there representing the school. Uh, it's very strict Bible college. I said, oh, yeah, you know, whatever, you know. I'm like 19, whatever. And so the next thing I know, he's dyeing his hair pink, and I'm dyeing my hair blue, but not like, you know, royal blue, like electric blue. <laughs> and it was so crazy. And there was this old guy that was working that week at camp, old minister. His name's Gene Weiss. I don't even know if he's still living. Uh, but Gene, uh, he was this old guy, wears slacks. He was one of those guys who wears slacks all the time. 
and a dress shirt, and it's like 90 degrees. I'm like, dude, you're at church camp. Take off those slacks, right? And I remember the, vividly the conversation I had with Gene, and he was talking to me. He was looking me straight in the eye. I had blue hair. I'm not the kind of person. You know, it's fine if you do that. I'm just, I'd never done that before, and uh, I was promptly told to shave my head when I got back to school. Um, but he looked at me, and he didn't see blue hair, didn't see this, like, scraggly-looking 19-year-old with, like, I had the really long, crazy, curly hair. He, he didn't see that. He looked all the way past all that immaturity I had going on, and he saw me. And I thought, man, that is exactly what God does. God has not only found you and said, eh, they'll do, right? I think that's what most of us think. Like, if I mentioned those churches and serve, and you're like, you know, the only way that I'm going to be of value to that church is if they're like, I don't know anybody else, so you'll do. And that's just not how God operates. He is actually excited about who he created you to be. He didn't find David on accident. He found David on purpose. And so when it says, I have found, it says David, son of Jesse, David wasn't positioned in such a way to where anyone would have pegged him as the one who would achieve Katah to be after God's own heart. He was born in Bethlehem, uh, which was a small village, relatively insignificant. He had seven studly brothers older than him, so much so when Samuel went, we're going to learn this in your life groups next week, he went to anoint the next king, and he's like, this has to be the guy, right? And he goes all the way down, and... David is out with the sheep and the goats. Um, he spent, uh, spent all of his prep time watching sheep and goats. That's how he prepared himself to become king, right? And killing ravenous animals too. But your background is something that, that none of us, none of us in here can change our background. Like You can't go back and be like, I don't want to be born there. Let's just change my birth certificate. I actually wasn't born in that hospital. I was born in this hospital. Um, I, that's not actually my family. I'm going to, like, ditch them, and I'm going to find a new family. I mean, they're your family. Your family, your location, and like David, I grew up in a small, insignificant city. Um, so when people would ask me, and at Ryan, I'm going to pick on Ryan, I'm like, hey, Ryan, where are you from? You know, this is last year. He's like, I'm from uh, that way. He's, I'm like, where are you from? Knightstown, you know? Like, I wouldn't know where it was, but I do. I know that gym. I've driven through there a hundred times. Um, anyway, I would always say the larger city next to us because I didn't want to tell them that I was from the town of uh, 600 people. I wanted to be from the town of 30,000 people where something was happening there. Not the town of 600 people where my grandparents owned the flea market in that 600-member town. I did not want to be that person, but that was just who I was. And, or maybe you grew up in a larger place and you felt swallowed. Like, your life didn't matter at all. Maybe you feel that like on campus or you can't find a parking space. So you're like, I might as well just park on Michigan and walk in. See what happens. Right? Um, and so all of us have felt that way, swallowed up or not good enough, not big enough. And so the things that David couldn't change about his background were the very things that God was going to use the most. Have you heard of a town called Bethlehem? Yes. I think Jesus was born there. And it all started in a small town. I'm, that sounds like a country song. Right. So he says, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. 
a man after my own heart. Um, if I were to ask you what the heart of God was like, I wonder how you would describe that one phrase. What is the heart of God like? Maybe it would help if you were able to know what this word heart actually means. It's the Greek word uh, cardia. And it means the center and source of the whole inner life. Thinking and feeling of using one's will. It is the deepest part of who you are. So from the deepest part of, he looks at David and he says, this is a man after my own heart. The very God that said, let there be light. The very God who, in his creativity, made everything that we see and don't see. I mean, we're still identifying new life form all the time. We can't even figure God out. He's too big. And that's just how amazing God is. And I love this. So um, a few things that, that really stood out um, to me when I was thinking about what is God's heart like? And there's a verse in the Old Testament. I almost get tired of reading it. It's in there so much. You ever, I'm, I'm just kidding. Sometimes. But I think I see it so much that I almost like breathe past it, especially if you do the Bible in a year. You're like, oh, that verse again. And you move on. You ever done that before? This is what it says, and it appears over and over in the Old Testament. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. The word loving kindness can be translated steadfast love. God's heart can be identified in Jesus, right? Look at Jesus' life. Look at how he treated people. Look at how he died for our sins. When I think of Jesus, I ultimately think, ultimately think of patience. Don't you? I mean, all these people are gathering around him, <clears throat> closing in on him at all times, and he continues to love them and have compassion on them. The last phrase is the one that really bothers me. Brandon, I hope we're good friends. Is this yours, Brandon? Hannah? Okay. <clears throat> he will do, it's mine. <clears throat> he will do everything I want him to do. And I immediately think, huh? This guy? This guy's going to do everything that God wants him to do? David? Son of Jesse? Man, I, I, I can kind of get my mind around the first part, but the second part. Did God want him to sleep with one of his mightiest warrior's wives? One of his trusted advisor's granddaughters? Did he want him to do that? No, God didn't want him to do that. Of course not. Now what does this say about God in our, and his love for us and his plan for us? Even though your life is comprised of a thousand, a million small pictures, that's what your life is, is comprised of, small moments, it's like a mosaic, right? And it, it comprises your whole life. Even though your life is comprised of all those moments in grace, God will look at the big picture of your life, right? Was this the exception or the rule? This is how God looks at your life. He's not nitpicking your life and saying, you know, he's like, you know, what is this whole thing looking like? What is the whole direction of your life? Why are you heading in this direction? Why are you making these decisions? Let's move beyond the actual behavior, and let's, move, let's take a step back before the moments where we make mistakes. And that's how it was with David. He was looking at his whole life. He wasn't even looking at David's whole life. He was looking at David's children, 
David's grandchildren, David's great-grandchildren, going all the way down to baby Jesus, right? And even though he was not flawless, David did some things really, really well. He was merciful. He could have killed Saul. We're going to learn about that later. He's patient. Um, he was a man of prayer. He would always ask God before he'd go into any battle. That's why he was so successful. He would always ask God. He was creative. He wrote hundreds of songs. He wrote like, I think it was 73 of the Psalms in the Bible. He wrote 73 of them. He was a worship addict at all times he was worshiping. He was a friend. We're going to learn about Jonathan later. Uh, The guy was just, he wasn't, he was reflecting glory all the time. Okay, so a few things as we close out. Uh, We're really going to try to get you out of here at 8.30 every time we meet, just because um, we want to be respectful. You're not stressed out super now, but you will be in December. (laughs) So we're going to create good habits. The first thing is this. God is looking for you. God is looking for you. You aren't God's backup plan. It's not like he says, oh, well, uh, Nathan's not available, so Kirsten, you're in. You know, not like someone has a sprained ankle and they need a sub. No. Kirsten is the plan. Hashtag. That's your hashtag. Okay, so you aren't God's backup plan. You are it. Would you tonight, uh, I'm going to ask them to go ahead and come on up. Would you tonight, would you stop long enough to allow God to actually grab hold of you? I mean, he could do that anyway, but he's chosen not to. Would you allow God to find you? He already knows where you are. Two, your background doesn't disqualify you it actually qualifies you so you think well where I've come from in my situation I'm just old my life is always going to stink or my spiritual life is a mess Uh, we were talking this morning or today afternoon our life group talking about someone who had been raised in a legalistic church so when they go to church they have bad feelings I mean like bad feelings I don't want to be here this is a place where thing where fun goes to die right let's Let's move past that. Have you heard of Bethlehem? We all said yes. That means God can take the small and make it significant. Three, the heart of God is patient and faithful. Are you dedicated to getting to know the heart of God? Take some time this week. I want you to drop whatever you're doing. If you need to take a study break and need an excuse, this is a great excuse. Romans chapter 8 is full of 39 verses that could change your life. And New Living Translation, even more so, just amplifies it. And I would just encourage you, read that once. If it didn't hit you, read it again. Keep reading it until you get it. Four, last thing. What does your big picture look like? I think all of us need to answer that question. What does your big picture look, look like? Not, not your, all, your small moments, but if someone span back and look at your life, would they recognize you as someone who follows Jesus? We can be exactly who God wants us to be if we will commit to just two things. This is what David did, even though he was a mess in a lot of ways. He did two things well. First, when you fail and you find out about that you fell, you repent, right? Easy. Two, reserve worship for God alone. If we did those two things, we would be in very good shape as followers of Jesus. At the end of every school year, we ask students to identify people in our midst 
who are really growing in their relationships with Jesus. It's kind of fun. And it's fun to like meet you right now and then see where you're going to be in May. I hope you'll hang with us. But it is incredible. It gives me, I'm getting chills right now. I'm thinking of like three, three or four people in particular that someone had said, I had said something. I said, well, what about this person leading the Bible? I said, well, I don't know. They're close. And then by the end of the year, they were like, I think they could do a better job than I could. How does that happen? That is the grace of God working in and through people. And there's this passage. I'm going to read it because we're out of time. Matthew 14, 25 through 33. Peter sees Jesus. They think it's a ghost. It's 3 a.m., which you guys were at 3 a.m. last night, right? Or this morning. You know what that looks like. Everything's blurry. And so you need to go to sleep. And so they're, they're thinking they're seeing a ghost. It's actually Jesus walking on the water for three and a half miles. And so Peter gets out, and he says, I want to come to you. And he goes, and he does really well. Until what? Until he dropped the watermelon. <laughs> right? Splat. You know, he, 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 he blew it. He took his eyes off Jesus. He was doing the impossible. And then he started to sink. Now, I keep saying this to myself over and over, especially when I've been fundraising changing our whole life around to be here full-time now, I hear the Holy Spirit saying to me over and over and over and over and over, Andrew, stay focused on me. Get your eyes on me. Don't get your eyes on all this other stuff. Keep your eyes on me. Stay focused. And we said this at the very beginning, to achieve kata, to be after God's own heart, you don't have to be flawless. You just have to be focused. And the person you focus on is the person of Jesus. So we're going to sing just a, a few more lines of this song. The stand, Let's stand back up. Let's really surrender and say, I'll stand and I'll surrender every part of who I am to Jesus. And then Brandon's going to close us in prayer.